the biggest piece is just, is the learning. Like, I think that there's still yeah. so much learning that has to go on about how to develop business development programs for MBEs mm-hmm. and Weebies, and also, you know, where to find them, all of these other various things. And then what the true value is of a supplier diversity program. I think oftentimes right. people see it as something altruistic and it's far, yeah. far, far beyond that. Far, especially far from when it. talk about the multiples. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground, Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E G-R-O-U-N-D dot I-O. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. My name is Chloe, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Moore. And in today's episode, we will be taking a look at the legacies of President Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and Jimmy Carter. By taking a glimpse at the policies put in place by these presidents, we learn about the impact their presidencies had on supplier diversity and the business world as we know it today. While these leaders were by no means perfect, they provided reforms and institutions that helped drive economic growth and inclusion within the supply chain. So first, let's get started with a little background for those of you who, who don't know, you know the, the foundational means of supplier diversity and how it got started. Supplier diversity has its roots in the civil rights legislation. In 1963, President John F. Kennedy championed civil rights working with Congress on H.R. 5271 that ultimately became what we know as the Civil Rights Act of 1964. In a brilliant move by one of the foes of the civil rights movement, Congressman Judge Howard W. Smith introduced an amendment to insert the word quote-unquote, sex, into the act. This broadened Kennedy's 1961 executive order, which instructed federal contractors to take affirmative actions to ensure that applicants are treated equally without regard to race, color, religion, or national origin. President Johnson then amended this executive order, which established the Office of Federal Contract Compliance in 1967 to include affirmative action for women. This required federal contractors to make good faith efforts to expand employment opportunities for both women and minorities. President Nixon used Executive Order 11458 to create a Federal Office of Minority Business Enterprise. During 1979, the agency was renamed as the Minority Business Development Agency, otherwise known as MBDA, which is a part of the U.S. Department of Commerce. In 1971, President Nixon issued the Executive Order 11625, directing federal agencies to develop comprehensive plans and specific program goals for a national minority business enterprise contracting program. Then, 
in 1983, President Ronald Reagan issued Executive Order 12432, which directed each federal agency with substantial procurement or grant-making authority to develop a minority business enterprise development plan. The actions of President Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon, and Reagan had led to the formal process of identifying and vetting the credentials of businesses that claim to be owned and operated by qualified members of diverse ethnicity, veterans, women, or other disabled groups. So the question is, how are these legacies important to the state of supplier diversity now? Right, right. I think the most lasting thing that we have that have come out of these these legacies is the definitions of what is an MPE. And it's Mm -hmm. given us a framework to have a conversation, right? Because really before Nixon and before some of these other executive orders, we didn't have a construct to have the conversation around. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's right. kind of the most important thing is, is when you have an idea or a concept like this, being able to have some language around it, being able to define it so that you can then move the conversation forward. Right. right. Because right. it's one of those things where it can be a very kind of obtuse conversation if you don't understand what are the definitions, what are the parameters, what group are we talking about? Right. That type of thing. And I think that's the legacy. Right. It started those conversations and it's it's grown. Most definitely since right, then, right? It's, right? it's it's a much bigger topic than it was back then. But at the genesis of it all, it gave us a starting point. It's it it allowed us to define what we were working towards and and who we were working with and what groups we were going to start identifying. So I think one of the biggest legacies, like I said, is just the definition of MBE, the definition of what these programs should and could do, and really kind of started a central point for us to be able to start having these conversations. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also think, you know, just to echo your comments, it's it's Mm -hmm. also created a uniformed way in which companies, you know, uh, if they had contracts over a certain amount, had to do and had to create these minority business development programs. So it wasn't just one agency on its own, but there was continuity across a lot of different agencies. And then they started rolling it out on a state level. So I just, I think that it, that, that helped create some some equity just across the country. It did. And, you know, it forced companies to do something that was uncomfortable at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, let's just be totally transparent for a second. The one at thing the time, that we always, at the time. Yeah. I, I, think, right? I mean, I, I would say sometimes it's still uncomfortable for companies. Oh, I, they still don't really understand. I totally so, agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And sometimes it does take, you know, I always heard uh, I have a criminal justice background. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was all we always talked about. You can't legislate morality. Right. Um, right. But I think in this case, not that we were legislating morality as it was, it was forcing companies to do something that was right, fair, and equitable. Right. But then, lo and behold, guess what? These companies found out, oh, but it's good for business too, right. you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and it's the maturity of the conversation, right? I, I think a lot of times now you talk about how supplier diversity is kind of an X factor, a multiplier yeah. uh, to oh your business, gosh. right? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in several different episodes and several different angles, um, but it is truly that one of those things that can boost your company's reputation, 
Um, you know, you're standing inside a community. Yes. Uh, it gives you insights that that are invaluable to your company. So the conversation has changed a little bit. But to your yeah. point, we're still having that conversation. But it's changed a little bit of the it's not just the right thing to do. It makes business sense to do it. Right. right. And I think that's really what we have seen grow over time is yeah. where has the focus of that conversation come from? And had we not had the government kind of draw a line saying, go, thou shalt. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we would have gotten there organically, you know, it, which is which is a pity. But I'm glad we are here where we are now. I am, too. I am very glad. I And I do feel like there's still a lot of areas of growth. But I think oh, yeah. the, the biggest piece is just is the learning. Like, I think that there's still yeah. so much learning that has to go on about how to develop business development programs for MBEs mm -hmm. and Weebies and also, you know, where to find them, all of these other various things. And then what the true value is of a supplier diversity program. I think oftentimes right. people see it as something altruistic. And it's far, far, far beyond that, far, especially far from when you talk about the multiples. Right, right, exactly. And, and you know, I think a lot of people also get the wrong idea in their head. They're like, oh, we're, we're dealing with women in minority-owned firms. So they picture like one or two people in their basement trying to knock out a business. <laughs> Which is definitely yes. not the case. Well, I mean, there are some, right? There are I mean, some. There's some. Sure, there, but, sure. But I think those that you see that are serious, that are truly approaching corporates, I mean, these are... 20 to 100 person staffed firms, right. you know, some of them have advisory boards, many of them understand what a corporate structure is. So yeah, you're not having to pat somebody on the head and give right. them business as it is you're engaging somebody that knows what they're doing that can truly bring a benefit to your bottom line. So right. I, 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 I do kind of laugh at that. Uh, mindset sometimes when I'm talking to people, they're like, yeah, but there's so much risk. I'm like, this is like the third largest firm in the United States. I don't know <laughs> why you're finding risk in that. <laughs> right, right. And what do you think that is when they say, you know, we're finding risk or we don't want to necessarily work with them? Is it is it the criteria by which companies bring on suppliers mm -hmm. or do you think mm -hmm. it's a hesitancy to work with someone so new? Yeah, there's a lot there, right? There's a lot to unpack in that that statement of there's risk involved in bringing on a diverse supplier, right? Right, right. Some of it is I've always worked with Company X, one of the big five consultancies. I know people there. I can pick up the phone. And I can make stuff happen, right? Right, And in right. business, that's important to do. So the idea of bringing on somebody new that you don't have that relationship with is scary. It just is, right? Yeah. And, and the last thing you want to do is take the, you know, you're taking a risk on somebody new. Um, and then the, the, uh, they're not able to deliver. Project or, goes south. Yeah, the project mm -hmm. goes south. They can't deliver. And then it's like, next thing you know, you're packing up your stuff in a box and leaving also. Mm. Right. And that's that's some fear. The other thing, too, that I let's let's just talk about for a minute, too, and especially in today's kind of risk averse culture in, mm -hmm. in corporate America, especially in the mm -hmm. private sector, is all of the risk all the risk reviews we have to do that the government, guess what, has told us we have to do. Right. Right. The government, right. the government has said, hey, you know, you can't you can't be absolved of this risk if you bring in these suppliers. If they do something, you know, that harms others or your customers and you, the company, are going to be held responsible. Mm. Well, that is a long process to risk it review, is, especially yeah. especially in my specialty in the financial sector. The risk review process is a six month long process. Mm. Right. And mm -hmm. service managers don't have time to wait around for six months. No, they to, don't. Yeah. To try to get a to project bring on new, new right. suppliers to so, meet the demands of the so business. Yeah, that's exactly. A long time. So who did we just default to? Oh, everybody that we've already got a master agreement with. Right. Mm. So I think this is the next 
in my mind, one of the next conversations we need to start having as a supplier diversity community, mm-hmm. both as the suppliers and as corporate America is great. We understand that we have to assume risk. We understand that we have to risk assess companies, but hey, federal government, you need to help us either shorten what we need to do with diverse companies. You need right. to help give us some leniency on because that I think right now, Chloe, is what's hurting um, supplier diversity. I think that's one of the, the biggest um, obstacles I've seen professionally is mm. companies having to do all these risk reviews, service managers working on a very tight timeline, yeah. and they don't have time to onboard somebody new or have an appetite to look at somebody new. Right. right. I've never talked to one of my service managers who's called me up out of the blue and say, hey, you know, I got a free 10 minutes on my hand. Why don't I start looking at some diverse supplies? That's never happened. I've seen their timelines. It's not going to happen. So I think we need to, as a community, and I'm looking at everybody, I'm looking at corporates, I'm looking at government, I'm looking at suppliers. We all need to try to understand what do we do to shorten that runway to make it more plausible, to make it easier to onboard a diverse supplier and truly give them some room and opportunity to get in because otherwise we're waiting for RFPs. And even at that point, I've seen RFPs go to, and I've had this told to me, yeah, we chose such and such company because we still have their master and all we have to do is sign an extension. So it just makes it easy, but you know what? It makes it easy. Yeah. Path of least resistance. But I think, you know, sometimes doing the right thing and sometimes doing the courageous thing, it's oftentimes not the easiest road, right? It's never Mm -hmm. the easiest thing to do. And from what my experience has been, usually people in supplier diversity roles are super passionate about what they do and super passionate about suppliers. You know, it's it's, it's really about how do we avoid this risk? How do we mitigate this risk? And I think to a certain degree, it's a more proactive approach of let's look at, you know, all of the type of opportunities that we have across right. our organization for the next 18 right. months to two years yeah. and start creating a pipeline of, of new diverse suppliers that we can exactly. introduce to our category managers. Exactly. And that is world-class thinking right world-class, there. World-class, right? yes. And some, and now don't get us wrong. Some firms are doing that, right? So right. it's not like this is a carte blanche. All of corporate America is not doing that. Of course. But it's a handful. It's not everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It's not all of it. But also, I, you know, to our national certifying agencies, that would be great. How about as part of your, you know, your fee that you're paying to be an MPE, WBE, whatever BE, that you're getting risk assessed, right? Let's standardize this risk assessment. And if I'm an MBE and I've gotten certified through the MSDC, guess what? I've already gone through their risk rating, right? And I have a full risk profile that I can hand you. Right, right. There's something to think about. Yeah. Right. Now that takes a lot of coordination because my risk profile in banking is going to be different than transportations or pharma or, you know, light industrial. Retail and everything else. Exactly. 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 So it's going to, it can't just be a carte blanche risk assessment. Otherwise it's never going to do anything inside corporate America. It's going to have to be targeted by industry. Industries. Yep. And sometimes regions and states, because they've got a lot of other sort of regulatory compliance issues that that are local to those regions and their states. So there's that to take into consideration as there's, well. There's that, but but look at the resources, right? Right. Uh, at the at the NMSDC level, you have industry groups, right? So there Absolutely. is a transportation industry group. There is a financial industry group, right? So you have your industry experts sitting there, you know, and then at the state level, you have the GMSDC, you have the Florida Council, you have the Texas Council, you have the California Council. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally, yeah. So I mean, the resources are sitting there. I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have all this talent, yeah. you know, we need to, we need to start coming to the table. And I think that if you start asking or offering some sort of risk package, 
guess what? I think you're going to get more corporate sponsors too, because if mm -hmm. I can only get your risk rating because I'm a corporate member, oh, that's, that's even better than a database. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as we think about um, just how supplier diversity has evolved over time, mm -hmm. how do you think, you know, some of these other groups, you know, when we look at LGBTQ and then we've looked mm. at, you know, disability, how do you think supplier diversity professionals are managing all of this? Because, you know, when I look and talk to some of them, you know, it's like they have small teams and you've got to have different approaches to all these different mm -hmm. groups. You can't have a blanket sort of outreach approach. It's just never going to work. So you've got right. all these sort of competing stakeholders in addition to yeah. your company. I mean, how, right. how, how does one manage that effectively, do you think? I tell you, you have to have a team, right? I you think to. And you have to. Um, and a strong out, you know, outsourced partners, you know, and consulting exactly. firms and whether it be MBEs exactly. or VBs, but right. it's hard to do it in inside, I imagine. It, it is tough. And also to my, my corporate peers, use your BRGs or ERGs. Yes, right? yes. If you don't know a certain group or your social circle or your professional circle just has not brought you in contact with a certain group of individuals, sit down with that BRG and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Ask them what are some of the concerns that this group has. Ask them, you know, what are some of the things going on inside these different segments of society that we need to be cognizant of, that we need to, you know, make sure that we have on top of the mind. Because we have to remember as supplier diversity professionals, it's no longer us trying to help lead uh, a corporate initiative. I mean, we are in some circles, the face of the company that we go out and when we go out and talk to people. So we have to make sure that we're cognizant of, of everything that's going on, the nuances inside those societies. I know I did that about a year ago. I was going to a conference. I had never sat down or talked to anybody in this particular segment. I called up the BRG and said, Hey, I need an hour. I yeah. need to know what the I need to know what the bank statement is. I need to know what are some of the concerns. I need to know nuances. I need to know kind of cultural norms, that type of thing. So I don't go in there and just look like a bumbling idiot, you know, and really give the bank a, a bad name. Yeah. I said, that's great. I sat down, had an unbelievable hour conversation. And mm. at the end of it, the leader of my BRG looked at me and goes, I just want to let you know how impressed I am. I'm like, we just talked. <laughs> <You> know, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss for words because you're the only person of the entire bank who has asked us to come in and educate them mm. on our culture and our group and our issues mm. before you went and talked to us <sighs> at large. And I'm like, that is mind blowing to me because you guys are sitting right, right here. here. I just don't think that you people know? think about that. That's all. No. It's like, I don't think that people yeah. think about, you know, how do you, and that is something like all the questions that you asked. I, I don't think yeah. about that, but what I do think about sometimes when I'm in spaces where I've never dealt with someone or, which is not usually the case, but then sometimes when you're dealing with people and you know that it's about to be a long-term relationship, you want to make mm -hmm. sure that you're not doing anything or saying anything offensive. And so that's why I oh, usually am like, yes, help yes, yes, educate yes, yes, yes. me on, on some of those things, because I know that sometimes people say things and they don't mean to be, you know, offensive, exactly. but they don't understand exactly. sort of the cultural nuances. Mm. They don't understand why mm -hmm. some things are sensitive for certain groups. And the mm -hmm. last thing I ever want to do is be, is my, for my ignorance to then offend someone, you know, and offend, right. you know, who they exactly. are culturally, who exactly. they are, you know, just as a person. So um, that's something that I'm always super cognizant of, but I just, I, I find it hard to believe that be. people just don't think about it's, that when moving in different spaces. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally blows my mind sometimes, you know, and, yeah. and we've had so many guests on the show and they're all like, hey, just ask, just, just ask. ask us. 
just yeah. have a conversation with us. We'll be glad to talk to you about something yeah. you don't know about. But, you know, it takes having an open mind too and wanting it to does. learn. It does. It does. You know, it I definitely think, does. And I think that, that's probably the biggest thing in this space, right? You have to want to be a full-time student. Yes. Um, because it's always changing. It's always growing. It's always manifesting in a different area. And you have to be ready, willing, and open to learn. Yes, you do. You really, really do. Well, I think we've given, you know, our listeners some really great insights into the history of supplier diversity and, you know, some of the challenges and what we can, what we can look for moving forward. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing right now, just given that we're sort of in this moving in this post COVID world Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. for companies to think about how can we, you know, continue to contribute to the, our national economy by supporting small businesses and supporting the backbone of really our, our whole economic system Uh, here. I couldn't agree more. And let's also remember as we're closing too, supporting our local and minority owned businesses does not mean they have to have a master agreement with us, Right. right? It is using them for catering. It's using them for, you know, your one-off supplies for your entertainment dollar. Those dollars count too. So let's not get our heads totally wrapped around of, well, if I can't write a master agreement, it's not worth anything. Any money spent in any of these communities has a tremendous economic impact. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure that we cast that net wide and remember our one-off tailspin too. Yes, 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 yes. I, I think we want to talk about that on another episode. Those I think we need spins. to. We need to I have an episode talk, on tailspin I think for sure. So, so people don't know a lot about that. So we'll, we'll save that exactly. for another, we'll, another we'll, we'll episode. Table, we'll table that one for our next Adam and Chloe episode. That'd be great. <laughs> yes. Thank you again so much, guys, for tuning in. And make sure to check out our previous episodes if you haven't already to continue to support the podcast. Be sure to check us out on LinkedIn at Chloe Goodry Reed and at Adam Moore. And stay tuned for all of our upcoming episodes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us and participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.